the Leftovers podcast, Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And I know it's supposed to be a Buffalo football Monday, but allow us to be your reprieve and your freedom from talking about that disaster of a football team. So we're not going to do that here today, quite honestly. As long as I possibly can, we're going to start Sabres, we're going to go hard Sabres, and I don't freaking care how much I don't talk about the Bills today because, honestly, until you give me something to talk about, Bills, I don't care about talking about you. Fair. That's fair. That's it for me. I re- like Until Josh Allen's back in the lineup, there's nothing to talk about with this team. They're bad. The quarterback they play is going to be bad. And nobody should have to watch it. Yeah. We fair. have to because we work around it. But if you're a fan... Do something else with your day, literally. Okay. So Sabres. Yeah. They had three games since our last podcast, two of which were infuriating results. He... Actually, did they play Tuesday as well? With Calgary? So they've had four games. No, three games. Yeah, three games. My math two is games. right. I'm not dumb. No, two games. Two games. Because our last podcast was Friday. Oh, right. I forget about that. Yeah. Whoops. Saturday right. to Sunday. So they had the two games over the weekend, and one of which had infuriating <laughs> results. I don't know if it's infuriating. It's infuriating in one instance, and it's it's really only this. You played 2006 Henrik Lundqvist when you deserved to win. It's frustrating, yes. It's frustrating. But at the same time, you still you're oh, I'm not proud of the game. Yeah, like you're still I was like, entertained by the game. It's just you, it's frustrating to know that you didn't get two points out of a game that, quite frankly, you deserved. And yeah. they dominated the Rangers in every facet. And it's just it's just unfortunate, and that's the frustrating part is that you don't get them in the standings. And if you miss the playoffs and you're a team that's actually in a promising run for the playoffs. Oh, my God, we get to talk about the Sabres with that word. That's how fun this team is, and that's why it's frustrating. Because you can look back and go, okay, who are the team? Who are some of the teams that we should have beat? Ottawa, the Rangers, damn it. Yeah. So you can look back on those games. That's where the frustration could come in. It's yeah, just- but that wouldn't also be until later. But <laughs> Plus, at the same time, Lundqvist has always been good against the Sabres. He's always been good against it, the Sabres. It doesn't matter whether the the Sabres are really good or really bad or the Rangers are really good or really bad. Whenever Lundqvist plays the Sabres, the Rangers have a shot at winning. It's like, the, it's like when Miller played the Leafs. No matter what, the Sabres have a chance. I usually don't because tend Miller to, always does good against Toronto. I usually don't tend to buy into those kinds of stats, like the team specific sort of things. Because but when you look, but when you look at them and you see that they are good, and you do, and you always know that playing the Rangers means you're gonna have a you're gonna have a frustrating time. I mean, the Sabers did beat the Rangers earlier the, earlier this year. Their first win of the year was against them. Yes, but I also know that it's so, just one of those things where. I don't buy into the team-specific stats with hockey because year to year your team can look different. Look at the Sabres, oh, yeah. for example. Well, yeah. You look at last year's team to this year's team, and it's a you're not even looking in a mirror. You're in a funhouse, man. Oh, yeah. You're playing with house money this year. But, you're like I said, you're, you're frustrated that they lost, that they should have won. They should have gotten, at worst, a point. They should have gotten a point out of this game. At and worst. That's the part that I'm mad at. I'm not mad at the team. I'm not no. mad at the team because they played as well as they did against Ottawa – 
in a nine. But you know what? But you, but but you know what? You know what? Just move on. I know. Just you gotta, all, that's all you gotta do. Oh, you yeah, just look at on. it as you just look at it as yeah, that happens. Yeah, and the only that that's my only thing. It's like it's a frustration to the point where I know this team is good and I can use those points. That's the frustration. It's not really a real frustration. It's not Bill's frustration. That's for damn sure. <laughs> uh, but it's really more just like a, damn it, you you were the better team. And you you got had robbed. a chance. You got robbed. Not even you had a chance. You got robbed. And you know what? It and is they happen. What it is. But it they is, happen. But that's hockey sometimes. It is what oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. Hell, we saw that just a couple days ago on Thursday when Ottawa goes ahead and steals a game where Buffalo also put 40 shots up again. They've mm-hmm. gone three straight games putting up 40-plus yeah. in the shot department, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Watching a team generating shot chances, taking these bad teams to task mm-hmm. in possession and chances and, in one particular case, goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe I called it, Frank. The Sabres scored one game, uh, one goal on Sunday, yet they still outscored the Bills this weekend, as I promptly and effectively called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not good. That's not good. We'll talk more about the 9-2 that's, game that's, in a bit. That's great. I just think, though, that it's, it's awesome to look at this team, though, and go, hey, there's something here. But here's why the word frustrating still can come to mind, Frank. They're still a one-line team. If line one doesn't get any production... Are they? If Jack Eichel doesn't get production, what's the win-loss record? Are they, though? I don't feel like they are. The, in in practice, they're I, not, but in I, statistics, they are. I think in terms of results, it makes it look like they are. And if you shut down line one, the other lines still aren't doing anything. That's, my, that's what I mean by it. It's not necessarily... Well, the thing is, is that they are. They are doing something. Because if you look, you got Poso's got eight and fifteen right now. Reinhardt has eight and fifteen. Connor Sherry has eight and fifteen. Now before the one before the nine. Casey Middlestad. Uh, Casey Middlestad has been literally snake bitten this whole year. Literally, mm-hmm. he's got five, and he, but he's got five and fifteen right now. And he he should have more. And he should have more. Evan Rodriguez just drew back into the lineup. He's played twelve games. And he's got four points. I, it's more or less so. They're, it's more or less production. It's it's odd, like it's there, but it's there. It's there. We're it's seeing just not it. Enough. Yeah, and if a lot of be, it is because they're because some of these guys are snake bitten. Like I said, Reinhardt's got eight and fifteen right now. He's only got one goal. He should have more. He stay he and he's been playing well. Casey Middlestad has been playing really well, yet he's got five points. All you need is those two to go up, and Sherry's numbers will go up, and Apostle's numbers will go up, and Rodriguez's numbers will go up. That's all you need. That is all you need. Even Saboka, too. Although Saboka, I don't expect to be much of a point scorer. But you'd like him to when he's in sometimes lo- a top six. Yeah, role. yeah. Dep- it all depends. I all mean, right. I consider I, I, I consider Middlestat's line, no matter who it is, to be the second line, no matter what, no matter what the depth chart says. Ice time would have a dictation. In I, that and too. I, and, but that also would that also depends on matchups. It really yeah. depends on who you play. But so, so I'm not really nice I'm matchup. not worried about I'm not worried that much. But you're seeing a pulse, so he's putting he's getting. That's a little more than half a point a game. 
It is. You know, with I'm the post on Ryan Hart, share. I know it's it's looking at it as like they're not consistently doing it. That's, that's I think where that's I think where the worry comes in. But it's there. It's and not, like I said, all's it Casey Middlestead should not have five points right now. He should be in double digits the way he's playing. I do agree with you on a lot of this. It's just the eye test for sure is telling you it shouldn't be this way. But there is something to be said about the cold hard facts and the numbers. The Sabres, right now, when it comes to scoring in the league, are an average team. They have 43 goals. The league average is 42. That's fine. But hey, with the way that scoring is going on, I'm okay with being at least average right now, especially after a year where you were far below that. Yeah. But in 43 games, the maddening part about it is your top line still has almost half of it in just goal production at 47%. So you know what that tells me? It tells me that I need just a little bit more. You're getting it from Oposo and you're getting it from Sherry, but you still need more from Reinhardt, absolutely, in Reinhardt's case. Middlestead, it's just got to get going. Um, And so you know what that tells me. Hopefully that 9-2 game breaks it open for him now. But then what about, you got to look at other players, though. I mean, the fourth line we're not even talking about. We're not even talking about the defense, too. <laughs> yeah, the fourth line dominates possession, but they barely get goals. Um, you have four combined from Larson, Gergensons, and Berglund. That's not bad, considering last year. And seeing as how two of them were holdovers from last year in Gergensons and Larson, I'm at least enjoying them dominating the puck, whereas last year they were a nightmare. You're, it's fun. You, it's shouldn't fun to watch expect, them. you shouldn't be expecting them to score. I shouldn't expect them to score. I need more, quite frankly, from a former number two overall pick in Sam Reinhardt. Well, yeah, I mean, one goal in 15 games right now. He, but he's still at eight points. I have to remember that. He's Sam Reinhardt's always been more of an assist guy. But yes, you but, go about you go about this. All that tells me is that it's bound to go up. I need I need more from Sam Reinhardt at even strength. It all you look but, at all Sam that, Reinhardt's numbers yeah. right now, though, Frank. He has five, five, of, his, his, five yeah. of his seven assists are on the power play. Yeah. When he's usually being teed up by Jack to go somewhere else, and he already knows where he's going with it when he gets that puck. But I need more. I need more from a guy who was a number two overall pick. I think Reinhardt's doing the right things. I just don't know if putting him I, – I think the only way you see that go up is if you put him back with Eichel. And that's not that's not how it should be for a guy and that's that pick number two overall. Yeah, it's right for me to want more from that kind of player. Yeah, and but you've I, got you him gotta, on that line. You've got him I on that if, line with Sherry, and you've got him on that line with Middlestat. You have talent there. It's not like he's playing with scrubs. You have Casey Middlestat on your line there. There's something that needs to be done. And yes, they're making the right plays more times than not. It's just. I need more. I need more from that man, and I need that because he's – this is not Casey Middlestead who's played, what, 20 games in his NHL career, if that yet. This is a guy who's been here now for four years. Show me something. You want to get paid? Show me something. Because otherwise you're not going to be part of the future here. 
So I I need something more from Sam Reinhardt. I'd like a little like Kyle Poso's looking healthy. He's looking great. I would hope that the two of them point production wise don't remain exactly the same in lockstep. They both have eight points. Right. Because I would like to see more from them there. Because Kyle Poso, for instance, two goals, two assists, even strength. He's balancing he's balancing it out. Whereas with Reinhardt, it's very power play heavy. I think this is what happens when Middlestat, as of right now, should be your third-line center, and they don't really have a true number two. And as a matter of fact, Casey Middlestat, even strength, one goal. And that was the one in the 9-2 game where everyone's singing Sweet Caroline and he interrupts it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome moment. But all of his other points have come on the power play. You would like to see a little bit more from two, a guy who is talented. Strength. Yeah. So you you need more from that line really at even strength is what I would I guess what I'm coming to the conclusion of. Am I demanding it the from way a nineteen year old right away? Not so much as long as you put production up, but I yeah. do want more. And your but your the feeling is that it's bound to happen. It's weird caring about this team and knowing know. that playoffs could be at hand if a certain line could step up their even strength production. Because two again, lines really, yeah, two lines need to you know really you step want to because if you want to make the playoffs, you got to be able to roll four lines. You got to be able to roll four lines, and strangely enough, it's one and four that are able to dominate your possession. Not that the other two don't dominate possession. I should take that back. It's just line one puts the puck in the net. Yeah, in particular, <laughs> in particular, all three of thirty-six-year-old Jason Pominville, fourteen points right now, and. Second in goals. And, and stupidly cheaply acquired Jeff Skinner. Yeah. First Nine off, goals Carolina, in 15 games. First right off, now. how amazing have the Hurricanes been without Jeff Skinner? Could you imagine Skinner on that team? Wow. They are Hurricanes are okay. But the, offensively, they're a coursey nightmare to face. Possessions-wise, they are all over the puck. Yeah. Could you imagine that with a gunner but, and Jeff Skinner? But... <laughs> Could you imagine it with Jeff Skinner there? That is the point. Sabres have scored more goals than them. And you want to know why? Because they have Jeff Skinner. Nine of them are from Jeff Skinner. Yeah. Jeff Skinner has been amazing with Jack Eichel. It was funny that they took him off that line at first. And then on the West Coast trip, first game, Arizona, what's Jeff Skinner do? Okay, yeah, Carolina's, I'm good. Carolina's biggest problem the last couple of years has always been they need it's a goalie. always been their goaltending. That's really it. Yes. So... But, no, Jeff Skinner has shown up, and he has shown up. 16 yeah. points, 15 games, 9 goals, 7 assists. The dude is fantastic right now. Sign the man. About, you want to talk about even strength, by the way? Seven of his nine goals are even strength. Yeah. Seven of Pominville's eight goals are even strength. Yeah. Why? Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. Jack Eichel, strangely enough, has only four points on the power play out of his 17. Yeah. One goal, three assists. Yep. Jack Eichel is dominating. Even strength. Even strength possession time. Yeah. And production. Yeah. He's easily your best forward at even strength, and it's something that we were sorely missing from this team. Mm-hmm. Was a guy to, do- particularly last year and two years ago, was a guy that could dominate the even strength production. Two years ago, you had the best power play in the league. But it wasn't a playoff team because, even strength, they were not good at all. And defensively, And defensively, they they were were a bit of a mess. But 
Even, but most of it was even strength. Even then, strength you look at Eichel, then you look at Eichel's shooting percentage. He's at 6.8 right now. That's almost nice. Almost nice. But, but you know that that's going to – you know if he keeps playing the way he does, even at especially at even strength, that's going to go up. Not to mention, like, what's the league average usually at around? Hovering around 10, 11, something like that, or 9? No, like 10 – like, uh, – You got a computer? Type it in. Yeah, but it's hard to measure. It's hard to measure average for shooting percentage because it takes into account everybody. Put in everybody, from Scrubs to Kucherov. Okay. Yeah, I said it. Wow, oh, did say it. Um, no, but like, if Jack Eichel can find his way back to a league average of sorts, that that four goals is gonna go up because it's not like the guy is not trying. He leads the team in shots, actually. Something that not many people would know because he only has four goals. He leads the team with 59 shots. Next best is Skinner at 50. And the only other person that's got over 40 is Jason Pommelville because, well, first line gets the minutes. I'm just impressed with how Jason Pommelville has been able to do all of this. Because you look at Jason Pommelville's average time on ice, by the way. I want you to guess it if you haven't looked at it. He's not playing as much. He's not playing nearly as much. He's at 13 minutes a game. Yeah. Close to 14 minutes a game. Skinner, on the other hand, 17.35. Reinhardt, 17.5, as a matter of fact. And then you've got Eichel, who leads all forwards naturally with 20 a game. But it's really just how amazing the group has been on that first line getting possession of the puck and just dominating possession of it and getting production from that first line. That first line is just amazingly fun to watch. You know you have a chance every time that they're out there. You know that puck is getting in the zone every time Eichel's got it on his stick and they're leaving the D zone. We talked about Jack Eichel possibly taking that next step. It's here. Yeah. I agree. It's here. 17 points in 15 games may not be showing it just yet, but that's because the pucks aren't going in for him personally. He's at a 6.9 shooting percentage. That will go up. Or, on a quote-unquote down year shooting-wise, Jack Eichel's going to have over a point a game. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Mm-hmm. On a down year shooting, Jack Eichel could have, if it stays this way, Jack Eichel could still be a point a gamer. Why? Jeff Skinner and Jason Pominville. And he is also a master distributor. And that's why he that's why he would be still be out of point again because he passed because of passing. His vision is just right there right now. Yeah. Like everyone says Sam Reinhardt's the smartest player on the team. I don't know about that anymore. Jack Eichel is I think is, it's always been Eichel. Eichel is on another level. I think it's always been. Yes, but now you're seeing it with the production. Yeah. Now you're seeing it. Yeah. Like now everyone's getting to see it with their eyes that Jack Eichel is not here to play around anymore. He By is the, way, the captain, and he is the man on the team. Oh, oh, you got Rasmus Dahlin? Okay, that's cute. I'm still the guy. And I'm here to remind everyone. Dude. <laughs> Dude. He is. Jack, man. He's been fantastic. Yeah. That shooting percentage is going to go up big the time. worked. <laughs> By the way, to answer your question about shooting percentage, around it is around 9%. That's so usually it, so around. That goes that's around another, the average, but that takes into account like everybody. Yes, Eichel. Like a, if I recall, 
a good year for Sidney Crosby's highest shooting percentage, I believe is around, I think was around like 12 to 13% for his career, Mm -hmm. if I remember right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to take a look at that. I'm going to also take a look at Kucherov's just for, just for reference. Like I can look at Crosby's this year. Crosby's so far in 12 games has a 19.4. Yikes. Yeah. What's Austin Matthews sitting at before his injury? I will look at that too. That dude was shooting over fifty percent in the first four games. This dude's probably shooting at like. By the way, at his current shooting percentage through eighty-two games pro-rated, Jack Eichel would have twenty-one point eight goals, so probably twenty-two. And that's just on his shooting percentage right now. Matthew's shooting percentage before, when he got hurt, twenty-six point three. Yeah, get out of here. That's a man that will regress to the mean, and Jack Eichel will go ahead and improve to the mean. Yeah. So we're going to see Jack Eichel get more goals eventually in this season. It's bound to go. It, the, the trend shows it's, it'll go up. It will go up. But again, even at his current shooting percentage, Jack Eichel's potting 22 goals. Yeah. Now, if you want to take the assists into hand, that's a whole nother stat. In 82-game season, that man's got 72 Ooh, assists alone. I, I was really wrong about Crosby, actually. And by the way, His Frank, shooting percentage. That math, 94 points. <laughs> At his current pace, Jack Eichel, 94 points. Uh, without improving his shooting percentage. Yeah. By, so... Crosby's average shooting percentage throughout his career, 14.5. So he will go back down a bit. That Well, that's his average for his career. That's his average for his career. But that's because he's Sidney Crosby. Yeah. As a matter of fact, let's look at Jack Eichel's shooting percentage throughout his career. I will. And why don't we figure that out? up Eichel right now. And I'm doing it right here. Nikita Kucherov, his average is 14.2. Now, Jack Eichel's a master playmaker, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Eichel's at a 9-7 career shooting percentage. Yeah. His best shooting percentage was last year at 10.2. Yep. Not surprising. When he put 25 goals in the net. So, in 67 games. In 67 games. Pro-rated, that looks a lot better in an 82-game season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Eichel and his current shooting percentage would float around the normal amount of goals he scores but have a boatload more of assists. Looking at his pace pace assist-wise alone, Eichel would get past his career high in points on assists alone. The way he's dishing. The way he's dishing. Yeah. On his pace. So it's it's fun to look at. It really is fun to look at how he can be this true, genuine playmaker and this top player on the team and threat to crack the top 20 in scoring. I wonder where he's at, actually, in scoring. 
on his 17 points on the season. Take a look. He's he's up there. I would imagine. He is tied for 13th right now. He's already in the top 20. Yep. He could crack the top 10. He's tied with uh, five other players. Bust. Yeah. Elias Lindholm. Who's been really great. Braden Point. He's a he's, lean scorer for Tampa right now. He's a, he's a mean dude right now. Kenny Kuznetsov. Oh, that guy is not anything. Sebastian Ajo, Carolina. He's he's only a guy who should have won the uh, Conn Smythe last year. Yeah. And how about the, and this last guy, too? Thomas Shabbat. Shabbat has, has 17 points right now for Shabbat Ottawa. Shabbat has been the reason Ottawa has not put themselves into a hole. And then poor Thomas Shabbat was on the ice a bunch of times when the Sabres scored goals because the Sabres scored goals. He's only a minus two. Maybe he wasn't on the ice for a lot of those goals. Or his plus minus was higher. That too. <laughs> you could probably look at the game log. I don't think you're that curious, though. Yeah. Now, plus minus is a weird stat and sometimes an unfair stat, but sometimes it can point some things out when it's blatantly obvious. For example, eh. Rasmus versus the line. Yeah, that, okay, all, all it shows for his line is that he's still playing too much. He's still playing too much because the next worst on the team in plus-minus is a minus-8 for Oposo. The next worst defender, a minus-3. Ristolainen is still out there way too much. Yeah. And it's an interesting case that we have to continue to follow. But I do think... The minute you can get Ristolainen to play a bit less, the better it's going to be for everybody. The minute that you can sense that Darlene is truly ready, and I mean when I say you, I mean Phil Housley. When Phil Housley can determine that Darlene is ready for more minutes, you're going to see it. And then Rasmus Ristolainen is going to have a little bit less on the ice time, a little bit less on the stress, and you are going to see a better player out of it. Or him and Darlene are paired together and then play still play a lot. Yeah, it was which just, isn't it's just a bad something idea. That, which isn't a bad idea, but it's just something I'm thinking of. It's probably time to just let Darlene go out there and go nuts and then start watching Ristolainen's minutes. You're probably right. It's just one of these things where I can see like, for example, you can give less time to Ristolainen on the penalty kill, or you don't have to put him out there as much on the power play because you can have Darlene do the PP1. Or... Yeah, Ristol's fine for PP2. I'm fine with that. He's yeah, maybe guy. penalty kill. Maybe penalty, yeah, maybe penalty kill is where you want to. And that is where you need to retool something eventually. It's not going to be this year, I don't think. I'm no. not asking for it either. No. But you need to do something about changing out a part like a Zach Bogosian or a Marco Scandell and getting a defensive guy who can eat some minutes and be a penalty kill specialist for you that doesn't eat penalty minutes like a Zach Bogosian has done. But it, it's fun to be able to talk about this team again and really right? be able to concentrate heavy and hard on the aspects of what's working, what's not working, and what can you ask for more? What's been delightful? I have not talked nearly enough about Jeff Skinner. The Sabres traded a second, a third, and Cliff Poo. For a guy that people in Buffalo were saying, 
I would one for one him with Sam Reinhart. Right. And <laughs> instead, the Carolina Panthers, uh, Carolina Panthers, yeah. the Carolina Hurricanes go ring ring. Hey yo, this Jason Bottrell, who this? Uh, this is uh, name GM here for Carolina because they went through like four different people in the personnel department. And they go. Jeff yo. Skinner's available. Okay, yo, uh, Cliff Pooh, second and third. No, no, sure. They said they were just like, yo, um, we'll uh, we'll take him for like a, a third round pick and uh, one of your prospects. I, I like Cliff Pooh. Bots be like, um, I own. Yo, what? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. First off, you got yourself a deal. Second, I'm gonna throw you a second rounder so that the league doesn't think that we're colluding or anything. Okay, because you know. Everyone's gonna think you're drunk and that I, uh, I, I made you do this. Okay, fine. I mean, you know what? In exchange for that second, I'll get you a beer the next time you're in Carolina. Okay, we're good. Let's throw this. Uh, let's send this to the league. That's how that trade conversation should have gone. <laughs> <laughs> I know it didn't. Yeah. But that's how that should have gone. By the way, <laughs> I cannot believe. Do you believe. want Cliff Pooh's stats right now in he the AHL? He was a healthy scratch for the last four games, actually. That's so what I've read. one point in seven games. I'm not going ahead and cheering for Cliff Poo to not succeed here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to succeed, too. Because you won the too, freaking but... trade by not trading a first. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you did. You didn't trade a first-round pick. You didn't even trade a top-end but where, prospect. But, not, but if I don't care, need to worry about it. But Cliff if Poo. you're Carolina fans, where's the justification for the trade? Um, They can shrug their shoulders because their team is not garbage. But still. Where's the? There's still no justification for the trade. There's no justification because the guy that you got for Jeff Skinner has one point in seven games in the AHL. Yes, he, this is first year in the AHL, but he's also been a healthy scratch for the last four games. If I'm a Carolina fan, I'm looking more at those picks than I am at Cliff Pooh. But you also got to. But you still got to look at the player this year. But for this year, though, you have to. You can only look at the player. Look, all seven Carolina fans. The draft can go picks because the draft pick. Well, <laughs> The dra- the draft picks don't matter. The draft picks don't until matter. they until they get used. They, until they get used, you're right. So, so but at the end of the day, you knew the best player in that deal was going away from your team. Oh yeah, immediately. Yeah, the fact that they didn't get a lot for him on the return is a little bit shameful. But here's the biggest thing, and the biggest thing alone: sign Jeff Skinner yesterday. You know how everyone was saying sign him seven for seven? Yeah, right. That's a steal. You need to step up that money now. The way he's playing with Jack Eichel, you need to step up that money. It's going to take money to get this in. I'm looking at maybe you're looking seven, eight. Seven point, might actually seven, work. Seven years, 8.5 I'm looking at now. Seven might actually work. Seven might work if you do it. You're like, you got to start talking now. But as you get close to the deadline, you need to think 8.5 per year is probably going to do it the way he's producing. Because the man's not just scoring goals. He is pissing off defenders with his forecheck. There was a play against the Rangers where he is deep into the zone, trying to pressure, get the puck. You have he to remember, too, you, you, got, you can't just you can't take one year into account. While this year is going it, to it's going to bump up the money he's going to get, you still got to take previous the last couple years into account what's his cap hit been the previous years five something it's five something i know that i feel like in free agency he can get north of seven million a year i feel see part of me all but part of me also thinks 
he'll get Evander Kane money. Which was seven for seven. Which was seven seven. You see, I think that Evander Kane got that money because he impressed the Sharks. I thought he was going to get seven even if you hit free agency. I thought he was going to get more than seven if he hit free agency. I didn't think so. I thought seven was right around where he was going to get. I thought that the only reason I thought the Kane Sharks literally I thought the Sharks literally that was like a free agent signing for them. I they paid that, for it. They bought his free agency. I mean, to be fair, Kane also has these "quote unquote" off ice issues that are overblown and out of proportion. Yes. Well, Jeff now Skinner with this most one recent one, you know, we'll see. Yes, Jeff Skinner does have his issue of his own, which is concussions. Um, not that I'm not taking that seriously, by the way, but they're overblown. The man's been healthy and skating for Carolina the last two years. Not a problem. Not a scratch on the kid. I say kid, he's 28. Um, But it's just more or less the fact that he's fought through his issues too. They were health issues. They were not off-ice issues. But the way he's producing right now is over a point per game, which is nothing that Evander Kane has ever touched. Skinner's Skinner right now, 5-7-2-5. Kane going going into last year. Five two five, so right around the same. So you got to think that's going to be taken into account because they were both pretty similar contracts. That if they, Skinner produces at this rate, and he gets north of eighty five points, we might be talking about a different contract. Yeah, but that's also assuming he sticks at that. I'm not. I'm also. I'm my my thought process too is he's gonna is that there's gonna be some regression into Skinner himself, where. He doesn't he he could still be a 70 point player. He could still hit that. I'm locking that in right now the way they they're playing. I'm not locking it in. The way they're playing, I'm locking I'm locking that in. in 6 I'm locking in 60. Cuz Housley would be on some form of it's, a hallucinogen if he splits the two of them up ever It wouldn't again. even be by splitting them up. He could they, Skinner and Ico could still be together all year. Kid Skinner could just go on a slump himself. I could see that part if not for how well Jack Eichel's dishing. That's why there's three players on the I, line. I get that, but Jeff Skinner I'm just is... saying is let's not overdo it. I'm not locking 70 in. I'm locking 60 in. 70 is the chance, the percentage of 70 happening as of right now, incredibly high. I expect I that I to go down. I would down. lock in 70. I'm I not expect lock in... it to go down. However, if Skinner is a 70-point player by season's end... I think at very worst he gets seven million. At very worst, now at very most, that's a different story. It could be eight point five on the open market. It could be nine. It could just be eight. The Sabers could offer him seven seven, and he'll be like, "I want to be here. Let's do it." Um, you got something? I was curious about something. Yeah. Because I said, I'm locking in 70 points on him. And the next thought I thought was, I'm not going to lock in 40 goals yet, though. Holy, first off, two things. Holy crap, we get to talk about a 40 goal goal threat for the first time in seven years. You have two players who could do that. One more legitimately based on ice time. Yeah. And not to mention the shooting percentage on both of those players. But like I said, you know Eichels is going to go up. Skidder is going to regress a little bit in his shooting percentage. And that's why I said I'm not locking in 40 goals, but I prorated it to 82 games. Yeah. 49. (laughs) 
Skinner has I prorated 18%. it to 49. His shooting percentage is 18% right now, I know. Yes, but on his uh, – granted, the current pace that first line is going on, but they didn't score a point yesterday, for example. You know? Yeah, and those are going to happen. Those are going to happen. But they're still doing this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's how bonkers this first line is. And based on the current production of the overall season, Jeff Skinner through 82 games is on a 49-goal pace. <laughs> get out of here with that. That is awesome that we even get to have that kind of a number projection. And, yes, I'm not locking that in. I'm not locking in 40 goals because that's not I think easy it's in the still, NHL. I think it's still Not to more mention likely. when you get to the end of the season, things kind of get mucked up a little bit. Yeah. And everyone starts defending a little better. But scoring's up. Yeah, scoring's up. And it's still more likely that Skinner could hit 40 this year. He really could. But here's my biggest thing. Ready? He's The Sabres are doing a lot of this damage with Eichel, Skinner, and Pominville at even strength. Oh, yeah. Their power play will get better. Yeah. Which means you'll see more points from those players on the power play, for example, and a little bit less at even strength. I think overall. What, but it's going to even itself out. So yeah, I think that I think, these guys are going to be 70 point, over 70 point threats legitimately. I think, what, I think what I'm looking at, I'm looking for overall, what I'm expecting to see is that first line is going to have some regression in a way where they're not going to be pointing up this I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too, but I I don't I don't I don't think it's gonna last. I think it's I think it's gonna regress a little bit. Enough to where it brings up the other lines. The other lines start to get going. Because you know that those lines are still are good enough to put up their own their secondary scoring points themselves. And you have to remember too. What how many what kind of points are you looking for out of those kind out of those lines? Ideally, if you could get two 70 point players out of, on your first line, you're pretty set. You're when you have lines two and three, wherever wherever the players are typically on a more consistent basis. If you, if you got guys on the second line, you want the I think a good team a really good team, they're around in the 50s. A good team, probably the 40s. And right now, that's kind of where they're heading towards. And probably third line is probably somewhere around the 30s. Maybe the, maybe like the early 30s, high 20s. Something around there. So, I think that the second and third line is bound to go up. Based on that kind of production, because that's where they're heading towards. And with the first line, there's going to be some regression. And I'm not saying like Skinner's going to go on a 10 game goal as drought or Eichel's going to do that. I'm expecting Eichel more. Eichel might if he's I'm still ex- putting up like 20 points. Here's the thing. funny thing is he can go on a 10 game goal as drought, but he and can have 15 have, assists the whole yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'm expecting Pommaville to drop. Pominville is the one that I would say is That's the most where likely. I'm expecting the drop is going to come from. The strangest Skinner thing is Skinner and Eichel. I think Skinner and Eichel can do this all year. Based on ice time alone. Based on ice time alone. Based on their production, their age, and everything and everything like that. Based on how they play. It's Pominville I'm more worried about. I think at the, But at the end of the day, if Skinner and Eichel are in the 70s for points, 
It doesn't matter where Palmaville is. You know what? I want you to look something up for me, Frank. Because while I am expecting that you are right about Jason Palmaville, I want you to look up players that have had amazing 36-year-old seasons. Hmm. I don't know how to look it up. I will find a way. Probably hockey reference would be my way to go on that. But it's been done. It's not like this is something that's foreign. And if there's a player that could do it, it's someone who is as un- underrated and as intelligent as Jason Pominville. Oh, and by the way, Pominville still has a pretty wicked shot. You know, you don't get these kinds of points. still shoot the puck. Yeah. You don't get these kinds of points right now at 36 years old by not being a good player and not having some sort of talent. Do you want skill. me to just look forwards? Yeah. Okay. You filter out defensemen. Oh, too. nice. There we go. See, I knew there was a way to look this up on that page. Now it's just a matter of being able to search it by players at their age. Yes, I would agree with that. And that's something that... So that's what I'm That's what I'm going to try to... Frank's going to try to figure that out. And I'm just going to keep going and raving on how Jason Pomville really has become a fantastic little revelation for the start of the season here for this team. I mean, to be fair, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like this. I know that Jason Pominville is doing a lot of this work because he is so smart and he's finding the places to go and sniff out the goals. As long as you have someone as willing as Pominville, you can get the same point production from that right wing. Because Pominville's not a fast skater. He's smart. He knows where he's got to go. And right now where he's going is around the net. A lot of those times he's getting those pucks that are the caroms. He's getting a lot of these dirtier goals compared to the rest of the team. That's something that Kyle Oposo can definitely do as well if he was ever to be separated from being the veteran presence for a Casey Middlestat or being on the line with Evan Rodriguez. And I don't mind where Kyle Oposo is. I'd rather keep him there if he's going to keep producing. And I'm not saying anyone on the Sabres can do what Pominville does. But if there are people that do what Pominville does, which is sniff out those goals, it could work. The strangest thing, though, Frank, is that Pominville was also doing this before he got put on line one. He was why a little was, bit, yeah. Because the question is, why did they put Pominville there? On October 19th, Sabres Twitter was going off about that. Pominville, really? Pominville was producing. I was not nearly as flippant about it as anyone else. I was still questioning it myself, but I wasn't angry. I was like, okay, I could see this. Pominville has been getting work done, part of that productive fourth line. Because before it was Gergensen's Larson and Berglund, it was Gergensen's Rodriguez and Pominville. And they were putting goals in the net because they had Jason Pominville. Right. That play in Ve- the play against Vegas at home. Evan Rod- Gergensen's gets it behind the net to Evan Rodriguez. Rodriguez, perfect feed for Pommeville. Blasted by Marc-Andre Fleury. Dunions. Jason Pommeville is still scoring goals no matter where he was in the lineup. That is why I'm not nearly as pessimistic about it. I know what you're saying, and I absolutely think that it is right that he could be regressing. He's shooting at a 19% clip. But it's not like it's crazy to think that Jason Pominville will not hit 60 points this year the way that he's playing. And what a way for that to go, by the way. His contract done at the end of this year, what a way to be able to go out if that's the case. 
I mean, the way he's playing, they could resign him for another year. Why not? Yeah. I mean, if Pominville himself wants to walk, what a way to go out. Yeah, sure. But at the very least, like you just said, he's definitely earned the right for another year. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Like, right now, I could say it. He's earned the right to be here next year. The Sabres better go ahead, and if he's willing to play again, they should offer him a contract the way he's playing. So, all right, I'm I'm looking at some players right now. Last year, Justin Williams was 36. Okay. What did he do? He had 51 points. Palmville could top that, no problem right now. He had 16 goals, 51 points. I two think, years ago. Yeah, I think Jason Palmville could easily top that. Two years ago, the Sedins. They're only really talented. Henrik, at 36, had 50 points. Daniel had 44. All right, so I'm seeing that 50 right now is kind of the then, line. Then, Henrik Zetterberg oh, he at probably, 36. He probably crossed that line. He had 68. See, it can be done, people. But he only had 17 goals. And Pominville's getting it done with more than just assists. He's getting it done with he's goals. Getting it, he's getting it done with goals. The trend so far is that these players are getting assists. Yes. Pablo uh, Batsuk is probably here. a name I would want to look at. Well, Datsuk, I think, did he play in the NHL when he was 36? Probably. I don't think he did. Oh, that's right. He might have. I don't know. He might have already went off to that's Russia. That's probably right, yeah. He probably went off to Russia by then. Uh, No, no. There it is. No, he's there. You found it. Yeah. <laughs> it was 14, the 14-15 season. Yep. 65 and 63. Yeah. So. So. Uh, and those two, now, Zetterberg and, and Datsuk, were just some of the better Joe Thornton at 36. Joe Thornton's 40 right now. Last year he was putting it up in the dish master. He had 82 points. Point a game. Point a game. Not even, but not even 20 goals. He had 19 that year. Because Joe Thornton has never been a goal scorer. Patrick Marlowe the same year at 36 had 48 points. 25 goals though. Here's the thing. All right, so Patrick Marlowe. Patrick Marlowe is the closest. I And Justin Williams are the closest players – I think you could compare compare Palmerville at 36 to. So Marlowe had 25 goals. Williams had, you said, less than 20, right? Williams had 16. Palmerville's at 8 right now. Palmerville's at 8 right now. Dude, this is cool. We're Jerome McGinlaw about- at 36 had 61 points. Iggy. Iggy getting it done. And Iggy's a goal scorer. Yeah. What was that total? 38? 30. Figured it was close to thirty. Iggy is oh man. That but, was um, but that was the year he was in Boston. But again, it shows that if you're still like, and Jason Palmville is criminally underrated in the NHL. This could be a year where it happens. Jason Palmville can threaten sixty points, the way that this line is playing. We all thought when it first got put together, okay, this is like a 3-4 game fix, right? Mm-hmm. is going to be switched out for someone else. No, the man keeps putting up the points. And it's not just goals. You see that one play where Pominville goes ahead and – who was it against? It was – it was Calgary. Was it was the Calgary game. Puck bounces off of James Neal. Pominville's the one that takes it, finds Eichel immediately into the Rip face of Dot Ripper yep. goal. 
Jason Pominville still knows what to do with the puck when he has it. The yeah. thing, the beauty of it all is he doesn't have to have it. He can be the middleman or the finishing touch. By the way. Because he has Jack Eichel. By the way, Joel Thornton's 82-point season at 36 is eighth all-time for points by a, a, a 36-year-old player. Eighth. Eighth all-time. We're probably looking at different eras then, aren't we? If you go north of that? Uh, pretty much. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. Three of the guys in front of him were all born in the 30s and 40s. Okay. So we're looking at really much different eras there. That's three, though. The guys, you want to know the guys in front of him? Yeah. Rod Brindamore also had an 82-point season, but he did it in 78 games at 36. What year was that? 2006, 2007. Of course it was. Ugh, that year. One of the guys born in the 30s was Alex DeVecchio, Detroit legend. Yep. Johnny Johnny Buck. Okay. And then uh, Gene Gene Rattel is tied for first, who was born in 1940. So he did this in 76. Had 94 points in 78 games at 36. Do you want to know who is tied with him for first? Wayne Gretzky. No. He's third. At 36, he had 90 points. You know who is first? You want to know who's first? Give me an era here. What was the year? 2006, 2007. Really? Mm-hmm. Timu. Yes. Good guess. Because it's right. I needed the era. 94 points. Because I wasn't going to be able to guess it right away. 94 points? The year they, that was the year they won the cup. Yikes. But who did, who did Timu have, though? A dishmaster and Ryan Getzlaff. No, Getzlaff wasn't on his line. Getzlaff was like third, the third line. I think he was with Andy McDonald most of that year. But McDonald was really good when he was. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. You know how many goals Timu had though? Fifty. Close. (laughs) Forty-eight. At thirty-six, basically fifty. Yeah. The other guy on the list is Joe Sakic. And he's only Joe Sackick. And he's only Joe Sackick. Uh, but at I'm not looking for, points. obviously, I'm not looking for Pommelville to <laughs> that's do just, that. That's great. I'm not looking at Jason Pommelville to do that. I'm not no, looking at him to no, even of get course that not. eighth that's of all in- time. Right now, though, points-wise, prorated to an 82-game season, he's almost a point a game. <laughs> <laughs> he would challenge for eighth if, if this kept up. I don't expect it to. You're absolutely right. But it's cool that we get to talk about it this way. Yeah, and you got your fun little hockey trivia for the day. Yeah, I hope I hope we're doing a good job alleviating you from the Buffalo Bills and the pain that that causes. <laughs> By the way, everyone, thank you for listening to the Leftovers podcast. As it's Derek Kramer and Frank R. Curie. Yes, there's something we haven't talked about much here, though, with this team, and it is the defense. We've been talking a lot about the forwards, how you need some secondary scoring, how the first line's amazing, how Jeff Skinner has gotten on the stupid cheap, how Jason Pommelville could challenge the likes of a Joe Sackick or possibly even surpass the 36-year-old seasons of Jerome McGinley, Henrik Zetterberg, Pavel Datsuk, and Justin Williams. If it remains at this pace, and I know I'm on crack. The defense is a bit of a concern overall. You saw it a couple times in that Rangers game, actually, on Sunday night, where other than Rasmus Dahlin and 
that night, in this night's case, Marco Scandella. Uh, those were the only two that I saw breaking out the puck on a consistent basis. Ristolainen was a disaster with the puck in his own zone last night. He was. And it's just the latest case on Rasmus being overused because what happened in the uh, Columbus overtime game? He gets stripped of the puck. They go the, uh, you know, next thing you know, Dubois finds Panarin of all people, and Olmark doesn't have a chance. Uh, the Calgary game. He gets stripped of the puck in overtime, and they go the other way, and of course the puck ends up on the stick of Johnny Gaudreau because of course. I mean, not to say that your best players aren't playing in overtime, but Ristolainen is definitely not your best puck-carrying defenseman. That belongs to 26, and he's only 18. <laughs> I would like to see more usage of Darlene in the special areas, where possession is something that you need to draw on. Is Ristolainen an awesome power play quarterback? You better bet your ass. Yeah. He is. I, and I'm still not sure how... Especially with how, with yesterday, how much of a massive concern it is. It could just be, you know, just not playing well. He's just not playing well honestly, right now. Honestly, I think what you said earlier is going to make the most sense. Hmm. Put him with Darlene. Yeah. Because there's no oh, yeah. one that is almost as much of a guarantee as Rasmus Dahlin. Only one more player on the Sabres is much of a guarantee. When I see the puck is on his stick that we're going to get into the offensive zone. And that's Jack Eichel. When Rasmus Dahlin has the puck, I expect that that puck is going to get clean out of the zone and that the puck is going the other way. Yes, he has made some rookie mistakes throughout the first 15. You have to expect that. But he's a rookie. He's 18. Yeah. 18, first year in North America. First year on North on, American ice. Yeah. Which is a hard enough transition for many in itself. Mm -hmm. But this kid is just amazing with the puck. Any time that he has it, you know that there's not going to be a mistake made with it. And defensively, yes. He's sound. Dowling has only, what, five points right now in fifteen in the 15 games? Yeah. But that's still not a bad point production for a first-year defender. Yeah. My big thing is this. I mean, Frank's doing the math right now to prorate it to 82 games, isn't he? Mm -hmm. My big thing is this. Darlene defensively is more steady than anything I've seen on this Sabres team over the last five years. Which is incredible in itself. Steadying up in that blue line is going to be something that's going to be amazing in a couple of years. But this year alone, you're seeing it. Yeah. If you're prorating... Uh... Dalene's production right now, he's about 27, 28 points. Samgus Gergensen's confirmed for 25-plus points because <laughs> he has the same amount of points. <laughs> but next year, you're going to see them have to move on from Scandella, from Bogosian. You're going to need to see some other faces coming in here. What's going to be the timeline with Lawrence Pilute and Brendan Gooley? What do you do? Do you go in free agency and sign a guy to be your 3-4 defender? so that Gooley and Pilute can be on the 5-6. Uh, Bolu's contract, I do believe, runs out as well. This year. Yes. He's an RFA, but they may very well are not going to qualify him They anyway. may not qualify him. They might. And if they do, he's the same thing that he is, a 6-7. So that won't affect what I'm asking here. I think, though, that the Sabres have something here. And it's fun to talk about. It's fun to be frustrated 
a little bit with a loss like the Rangers game where you knew you had that game. Yeah. Like, they had that game, damn it, and they got robbed. And it's fun to think that you're the better team because there's a lot of nights right now where the Sabres are playing like an Ottawa or they have to play Detroit four times. I want three and one at minimum. And it's fun to talk about it like that. They robbed a point from the Montreal Canadiens. Why? They were the better team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet playing Carey Price would have made it a little bit of a different story, but they just kept playing. They were the better team against Anaheim. They didn't care about being down 2 nothing. That's the biggest thing of them all, is that they do not care that they're trailing. By they the know way, that they can just keep playing their game and not press, and there you go. That is the most awesome part about this team is that they just keep playing their game no matter what it is. So I'm looking at UFA defensemen for next year. Yeah, hit me. After Eric Carlson, not much. What are we talking about? Yeah. No, I mean, look, what are the names? Tyler Myers. As a 3-4? I would be okay with a reunion as a third or fourth defenseman. Yeah. Ask Winnipeg how he's doing on the second pair. They would say much better. Ask he's Winnipeg, not doing so well right now. Ask Winnipeg fans of their opinion of Tyler Myers and ask Buffalo fans of their opinion of Tyler Myers. You get a different story. <laughs> As a 3-4, I would be okay with that reunion, actually. I mean, hey, it worked with Jason Pommelville. Okay. That said, the one only other, rate. Yeah. Jake Gardner. And I would, I would like having Jake Gardner as a 3 or 4. Uh, As a third or fourth? That's what he's doing in Toronto right now. That's not what he has been doing over the last couple of years in Toronto. Yes, it has. Really? Yes. Yes, it has. So you would need a defensively steadier guy to pair with him. Because yes. offensively, the dude's awesome. Dude's good offensively. Yes, he's very good offensively. Great skater. Yes. I would not mind that. As long as you had a steadier guy to pair him with. That would be that would be the, the thing. That would be the challenge. And you know who you could put there? Jake McCabe. You probably have to put a righty with him. That's a good point. Risto. Maybe. Think about that. Because think about that. And you got say, guys say like you then got, you got so then you got guys like Jay Bolmister. Hang yeah. on, hang on. Before what? before we carry on with the names on the list. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that. McCabe and then Darlene plays on that right side because he likes to. And then Ristolin and Gardner. Oh, actually, that could be a disaster. Yeah. Ristolion with the puck's not the greatest thing, and Gardner sometimes can need to get beaten by a fish, according to our friend Steve Dangle. <laughs> <laughs> also, Gardner's going to get a lot of money. That's probably true. All right, what are the other names? Jay Bolmeister, Alex Edler, Zidane Chara, who's probably going to retire. All of those are very old. Yes. Mark Mathot, Nicholas Cronwell, Anton, Anton Strahlman. Not that Jason Pumble is not saying anything about the age thing. Strahlman is interesting. Because if he takes a, if he doesn't take a lot of money, yeah, and term, because he's thirty one. Yeah, Strawman would be an interesting case. Braden Coburn, uh, Jan mm. Girardi, uh, Michael mm. Delzato, uh, mm. Ron Hainsey, uh, Carl Gunnison. Uh. All right, so there's really not much after like what Tyler Myers and Jake Gardner. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm not legitimately thinking about anyone else other than Tyler Myers and Jake Gardner. Yeah. So exactly. that kind of tells tells us where we're at. Yeah. But I would like to say that it's kind of fun to look at. And not to mention, trade market's still a thing. You have three first-round picks. Because mm-hmm. San Jose's a lock to get to the playoffs. Yeah. 
And the Blues, is there a condition on the Blues pick? I don't think there is. If they finish bottom 10, okay. they, can cho- they can choose whether they want to keep the pick or not. And if they do keep the pick, we get their first-round pick next year, no protections. Oh, boy. Then you wouldn't like where they are in the standings. Oh, I know where they are in the standings. Well, fans. Yeah. They are currently sitting last in the Central Division, second last in the Western Conference, and second last in the National Hockey League at 11 points. Yeah. Won the trade. Yeah, not good right now. Not good right now, and it's kind of strange with St. Louis, given all of their... Uh, they always seem to do this, though. They, they do this, but at the same time, given their talent, it shouldn't be like this. But they seem to do this, though. You know what's underperforming for you? Vladimir Tarasenko is still under a point a game. David Perron's actually playing pretty well for them. Ten points in, um, yeah, ten points in twelve games. Braden Shen's at nine and twelve. It Ryan O'Reilly. Like, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly leads him in points. He's Ryan at O'Reilly's 16. on a tear. Sixteen. Actually, 12. Tarasenko's right around where you expect him to be. Well, I expect him to be a little higher than a point a game. I don't think he's I ever think he's hit that a point. Talented. I don't think he's ever hit a point a game actually. But one of the things. No, he's the, never been. Tarasenko's never been above a point a game. The Blues, by his the best, way, though? his best season was seventy-five points. Right now, the Blues' problem is defensive. I'd imagine they are at forty-seven goals against per game. Having That's below a thirty, the league having a thirty-four-year-old Jay Bomeister as on your top pair with. Alex Petrangelo never helps. All right, we're going to play a game, Frank. Yeah, we're going to play a game? We're going to play a game called What's Wrong with St. Louis? It's the it's their goaltending statistics. I'm going to give you the two goalies, and I want you to try to guess where they are at save percentage-wise. Ooh, I know who their two goalies are. They are Jake Allen and former Sabre Chad, Chad Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Fell off a cliff the second time we brought him in. Yep. He has not been the same since then, and it's continued in St. Louis. What is Chad Johnson's save percentage? In three appearances where he's 0 and 2. I'm going to take a guess and say if you were looking on NHL.com and their stats page, you would have to go to page two for it. Probably. Is it below nine? Absolutely. 8.863. All right, you were a little too mean. (laughs) So higher. You're 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 higher on that, yes. Is it in the eight eighties? No. So it's in the seventies. Yes. Wow. And the same goes for Jake Allen. Oh, that's where it hurts. That's where it hurts. Chad Johnson's at an eight seven two in three appearances and two losses. Jake Allen, forty one goals against this year, in eleven starts, four three and three record, an eight seven nine percentage. And a 3.99 goals against average. Chad Johnson, by the way, for what it's worth, a 3.28. Jake Allen, a bit of a problem child right now. No shutouts, obviously, between the two of them. Shock. Yeah, you're looking at a a major problem in goaltending right now for them. Mm-hmm. But. I want you. Uh, we probably need to look this up. Shots against right now for the team, three hundred eighty-seven. They're av- they average they give up on average thirty-two point three per game. That's not good. That's leaky. Which is looks like just. Oh, 
Here's okay. It's around. It's just below the league average. Yeah, actually, they're doing a little bit better than league average in shots against. As a matter of fact, well, it's thirteenth overall in terms of when you go up. I've got the I've got the statistics on shots right here for them. Actually, league average. They're below league average in shots for, but they're above league average in shots against when it comes to giving them up. Uh, the league average of giving up shots per game is at four twenty three. The Blues are at three eighty seven. Shots for is at four twenty five. Good lord, and. 373 is where the Blues are at shot percentage uh, shots four wise save percentage mm-hmm. the league average is at 909 and the Blues together as we saw very similar save percentages are at an 879 their goaltending is their problem and it's a big problem what's the Sabers right now let's take a look I'm gonna check 909 is the current league average 909 is the current percentage. league average and you know Linus Allmark's above that right now but let's take a look I don't know. I'm I'm scrolling it. I'm scrolling it, and uh, it's got a load. St. Louis is 13th overall in shots against. Ooh, the Sabers are starting to become one of those more fun teams, Frank. What's their? So 425 is four, and 423 is against for goals or for shots for and shots against in that order. Okay. Shots against 423. They're above that. They give up more than that. Okay. So it would technically be below average on yeah. giving them up. Yeah. Yeah. Guess the shots. 423, and they are. They're worse at that. What is it? It's 464. Oof. But not nearly as outlandish as generating shots for. Yeah. 425 the average. 493. <laughs> they're wheeling. Mm-hmm. Dealing. They're actually a whole point below the league average in shot percentage right now, 9.7. They're as a team at 8.7. But save percentage-wise, 9.09, 9.16 for the pair of goaltenders in Carter Hutton and Linus Olmark. So the goaltending's been fine. Olmark, by the way, 3.01, 9.34 save percentage. He's been rock steady in his appearances. Hutton, right at league average. He's at 9.09. Okay. Good. But Linus okay. has got some shiny backup stats at a 2.0 goals against average and yeah. the 934 save percentage. Yeah. All right, Frank, I have to do this. We have to switch to football. And no, I'm not talking about the Bills. By the way, just real quick, um, I'm on NHL.com with their team stats right now. So we're talking about all, all that. The Sabres, in terms of shots against, are right at the league average, as we've been saying pretty mm-hmm. much. They give up on average 31.3 shots yep. per game. It's not bad. Yeah. It's really not bad. All right, so here we go. You know who you know who gives up the most? Ottawa. Because the Sabres pumped 40 on them twice. 39.1. Yeah. Anaheim gave it up. And the Sabres... Anaheim second at 37. Yeah, and the Sabres went ahead and pumped 40 on Ottawa twice. Yeah. So you knew it was happening. Yeah. By the Buffalo's way... Buffalo's ninth overall in shots for... Yo, let's... 493, dude. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. The league Nine. average is at 425 for a team. <laughs> And that's Edmonton, Buffalo, right? That's Edmonton right now. What's Buffalo rolling? Four ninety three. Let's go. So let's go. By the way, record wise, Carter Hutton four six and one, Linus Allmark three zero oh, and one. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see him get more starts, but I think there's they're handling this time split pretty well because Carter Hutton's not losing because of him. Yeah. For example, King Henrik just shut the door. Hutton played pretty well. The Ottawa game, pucks deflecting left and right on him. 
One goes off the end boards and then up and over, and I don't know how that one went. One just, just like what? So Carter Hutton's lost some weird games. Yeah, he's also had to bear the brunt of the two blowouts: the four nothing against Boston in the opener and the six one against Colorado. Didn't he also lose the Vegas and San Jose game too? Yes, he did. Ugh. And those are more of actual losses, but even still, but even still, like he's still pretty much on the league average right now. And if you've got a team that's wheeling and dealing and dunning, well, league average will do you good enough. All right, let's go to football. All right, Frank, how embarrassingly bad was my pickums? Not nearly as bad as the Bills, but it wasn't pretty good. I know that. It got off to a rousing start because I stupidly picked the Dolphins. Nope, that was last week. I did something stupid. I know I did. Uh, no, it really wasn't all that stupid. Oh boy, what did I? How did we do? I mean, I, I, I with won. Monday night let, yet, yet to go, and I know I didn't pick the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I picked Dallas. You picked Tennessee, but you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rights, Ugh. and five wrong so far. This has not been a good year for me. No. I have two wrong. Whoa. All right, Frank. Only ones that I got wrong were we both picked Baltimore to beat Pittsburgh. Yep. And I and I went opposite with you. You you picked Miami over the Jets. I picked the Jets over Miami. Miami and Sam Donald's four interceptions had something yeah. to say about that. Yeah. To be fair, one of our pickums was not a pickum. It was, it was an over-under on Nathan Peterman throwing interceptions. And I got that because we had 2.5. Which was two, a really good over-under, actually. Actually, really was, yeah. Really good really good line well, we, we and we, Well, we only kept that because Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack wasn't going to play. And we were so like, we were going to say how many sacks. Instead of two and a half sacks, we'll go with picks. <laughs> I thought Khalil Mack, if he played, would only get two. That would have been stupid. Yeah. That would have been they stupid. They crushed him. Mm-hmm. All right. So Peterman had, what, three picks? Peterman had three picks. Got that. Mac probably would have had three sacks. Probably. Maybe more. Maybe more. Maybe even that forced fumble. I don't even so want to think about it. You also said it. that he was going to have a forced fumble. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> he absolutely would have had a forced fumble. Yeah. That's his art. That's his art. It's a, it like is he's his an art. artist at that. And that would have been terrifying. It was already horrifying to watch. Right. But I don't want to talk about the Bills anymore because they don't deserve my talk. Yeah. Take that, Bills. It's the biggest burn I can give you. It's not caring we. about you. Let's go to week 10. Let's go to week 10. All right, buddy. Let's do this. Ugh. All right. Week 10. Thursday nighter is Carolina and Pittsburgh. Actually, Ooh. not a bad game. That should be fun. Should be is the operative word. Is Pittsburgh on the road? It's at home for Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. So this should be We've got ourselves fun. a game here, and I'm going to go with the Panthers because if not for the Saints, the Panthers would be the best team in the NFC South. I am going to take the Steelers. Cam Newton is at a 65% completion percentage. In his MVP season, he was at 59. (laughs) Cam Newton is on another level right now. And again, it's a shame that the Saints are in their division because they're not going to get a home game. Right. Carolina absolutely deserves one. All right. Well, beat the Saints, Carolina. You got to earn yourself a home game. Yeah. Lions, Bears. Bears. They'll have Khalil Mack back for this, and Detroit is inspiring no confidence right now. Speaking of the Saints, them 
and the Bengals. Oh, I'm sorry, Andy Dalton. You guys don't have a chance. Yeah, no chance. Thanks for our playoff drought breaker, but uh, I can't pick you here this week. Yeah. I think the Bengals are good, and they still might win the AFC North, but not this week. They're not getting to win this week. Falcons, Browns. Falcons. Yeah. I mean, come on. Too easy. What, what the hell? <laughs> What's Cleveland doing? What's Cleveland doing? They Tyrod played yesterday in the game. Mm-hmm. Didn't watch anything about it. Ugh. New England, Tennessee. New England. I don't even think we need to deliberate. No, not really. Colts, Jags. Call me stupid. I'm going to take the Colts and I'm going to curse them. (laughs) Honestly, I was thinking the same thing. Then do it. We'll definitely curse them. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Arizona and the over. Oh, no. Yeah. This is a game. The Chiefs might hit the over themselves. You know what the line is so far right now? Oh, no. You want to know what the line is? 62. Well, yeah, probably that. Because the Chiefs will hit that. By themselves. 16 and a half. Yeah, that's going to be covered. Yeah. Cardinals and then might chance. be doubled. Mother of God. Yeah. And you know all the money's going to go on Kansas City, so that line's going to go up. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. All right. I'm sorry, Arizona fans. Yeah. Rosen. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they'll get some points, but they're not stopping anything. Yeah. All right. Redskins, Bucks. Fitz... It's magic box. I don't think like the dolphins, the Redskins are a phony five winner. I think so too. And Tampa, but Bay I still is, think they beat Tampa. And Tampa Bay is better than the jets, at least on offense. I think Washington wins. I, I don't know how Washington they'll be six and three. Do well. Washington doesn't do well with running gun. They don't do well with shootouts. And that's exactly what this could be. They faced the Falcons yesterday and the Falcons are a similar team defensively woed because of injuries, not because of just a lack of talent. But the Bucks defense may be as bad as the Bills offense when it, well no no that's the Raiders defense, excuse me. But the Bucks defense is one of the worst defenses in the league. The Falcons are forced into being one of the worst defenses in the league in personnel based on injury and the Redskins couldn't do anything. Alex Smith, he's up and down. Guess who else is up and down? Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that Fitzpatrick's up beats Smith's up any day. Okay. Fair enough. Who you got there? I'm going to take Washington. All right. Just just because. I think they're a phony five-win team, too. But you also know that. But I also think they're also a phony six-win team. Ah, I get it. Yeah. Chargers, Raiders. Chargers. Oh, my God. I know, right? To think that the Bills could be this bad and not be the biggest joke in the league. (laughs) True. That's disgusting. Yeah. We can't even be the best at being the worst. Thanks, Gruden. <laughs> All right. You dick. Dolphins, Packers. The bad man. The angry man. They've lost two straight. There's no way that they could do it to Miami. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is going to destroy them. Seahawks, Rams. It will rain frogs and locusts. Oh, Jesus. All right. Se- Se- Seahawks, Rams. Rams. Easy. 
Maybe not the Rams, easy. The Rams just lost a game. They did. Maybe not. This is not an easy game to pick. But overall talent, overall, I'm leaning yeah. on the Rams. Yeah, Seahawks have been playing pretty well. They've been playing well, but I'm leaning on the Rams here because yeah. they are the better team. Cowboys, Eagles, Eagles. Is this? It's also the Sunday nighter. Ew. Right. Another Stop putting the Cowboys in prime time. I don't want to watch them. I'm not going to watch them. Ugh, this game. Uh-oh. Ugh. I'm not even talking about the Bills game. I'm talking about the Monday Nighter. It's complete gross. Okay. Giants, Niners. Niners. Nick Mullins. <laughs> Nick Mullins. <laughs> Nick, Nick Mullins, Mullins gets to face his second garbage team in a row. Must Nick be Mullins. nice. Yeah. How did the Texans lose to the Giants? How did the Vikings lose to the Bills? I don't know. How did the Vikings get blown out by the Bills? I don't know. I know how Tennessee lost to the Bills. They're Speaking not Speaking of the good. Bills, they played the Jets. Hmm. I, I can't pick the Bills until they have a competent offense, also known as Josh Allen comes back. I don't know if he's coming back yet, so I'm going to pick the Jets. Same. And Sam Donald's going to struggle. Again. Yeah. Prob- because yeah. the Bills' defense is good. Yeah. They only give up points because they constantly had short fields to battle. Yep. Oh, and the offense gave the Bears points, too. Mm-hmm. They might over, give points to the Jets, too. Over the last four weeks, opposing defenses have outscored the Bills in touchdowns. <laughs> Not a lie. The Bills have as many <laughs> touchdown passes. The Bills have as many touchdown passes to opposing defenses as they do their own players. Uh, crying. Two from Peterman and one from Anderson. Yeah. And then for passes to Bills players, you have one from Peterman. You have two from Allen? Do I have it right? I think so. Yes, because Jason Kroom and Calvin Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. And then Peterman has the one to Zay Jones. There you go. That's how bad the Bills are. Yeah. The Bills have as many passing touchdowns to defensive players on opposing defenses than they do to their own players. I have an idea to end the podcast. Okay. We didn't do this at the halfway point. Okay. So let's do this now. Uh-oh. Mid-season NFL awards. Oh. Want to do that? Sure. So. I mean, it's we, mid-season for a lot of teams. They yeah. still haven't had their buy. Some have played nine. Some have played it's eight. around mid-season. Yeah. We're around mid-season right yes. now. Who is... Your AFC MVP right now. My AFC MVP? Yeah. It's got to be Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Because without how well Pat Mahomes has played, say Alex Smith is still their quarterback right now, the Chiefs are not where they are. That's true. Because Tom Brady, yes, he's still the most valuable player on their team, but at the same time... Mahomes is playing on a whole other level. I saw Brady and the Patriots beat the Bills without Brady being good. Yeah. Also, they lost to the Dolphins. That's unforgivable. <laughs> That's unforgivable. Mahomes right now, to just over, literally almost right at 2,900 yards passing. And you better bet that I'm just going to hand the offensive MVP to him too because I'm lazy. <laughs> if I'm not allowed to hand it to the same player, I'm giving it to Kareem Hunt. Okay. Because Chiefs. 29 touchdowns. The Jeez. next number two is 23, and that's Andrew Luck. Oh, my. Well, Andrew Luck might be my offensive player of the year then. Through the midway Big point. Ben is second in passing yards. Really? 
at about twenty five hundred. Really? Yep. Huh. Yep. Mahomes' completion percentage too is sixty six percent. Wow. All right. Off you know end. who's you know who's got the best completion percentage in the AFC right now? Hmm. Derek Carr. Seventy two. Shows goes to show you how much that completion percentage can really matter sometimes. But he's got twenty two hundred passing yards, ten touchdowns, eight picks. So it's not bad. It's not bad. Wow, their defense is trash. But yeah, and now there's no Amari Cooper. All right, yeah. and they might move on from him. Who's the who is your? So a so you have AFC Offensive Player of the Year to Luck. I'll give it to Luck. Okay. Because Brady can go to hell. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair. You know who I would give AFC Offensive Player of the Year to? Hmm. James Conner. Nice. I like that pick. I do like that. Right now, his rushing yards is at 706, which is first in the AFC. Yeah, it is. But he's got over 1,000 total yards. Yeah, scrimmage yards. Yeah. It's like Le'Veon Bell never left. Ha! What an idiot he's been, by the way. I know, like right? That thing is being – that's been so <clears throat> grossly misplayed by them. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of hilarious. It is pretty funny. Like, I get his end goal in this, but at the same time, I just don't know if he's just being an idiot or not. Yeah. Nine touchdowns for Connor rushing. Yeah. Just rushing alone. James Connor does earn some recognition here. Yeah. So, like, I like for example, if I can't name the same thing for my offensive player of the year, that's actually a really good pick. Mm-hmm. Who would be your AFC defensive player of the year? If you could pick one. I know it's hard to pick one. I'm going to be a jerk for a second. Okay. And say that it's Khalil Mack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, In all reality, J.J. Watt. Yeah. He's back. He's back, and he's a monster. He's back. He's terrifying as ever, and he's among the top in the league in sacks. Yeah. So why not? You know, he deserves it again. Why not? I'll give it to him. Yeah. If he's playing well He's enough, at nine right now. If he's playing well enough, I'll give it to him. He's at nine right now, and he's tied with Von Miller and Miles Garrett. Yep. I'd give it to J.J. Watt there because he's also got the team with the best record, um, which can be swaying voters sometimes. But it's also because dude's back. He's and, back healthy. And that's how it works. Yeah. Okay. NFC. NFC Defensive Player of the Year. Tougher than you'd think. Yeah. And I know their defense isn't good right now, but Aaron Donald is worth every penny. Is that 10 sacks right now so far? Aaron Donald is worth every penny. Yeah. Okay. That's why you pay your players. Yeah. Looking at you there, Gruden, because that <laughs> was second on my list. <laughs> you got that. Daniel Hunter in Minnesota. Yeah, he's been. 11 and a half sacks leads the NFL right now. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Even if you can even go with like a secondary player, Kyle Fuller's, I mean, got four picks. I mean, either, you know, with the Bills, but that was a pretty nice interception by him, by the way. Yeah. Like that was talented. And I wrote as much in the article on the website when we had to do the game story for it. I was like, yep. 
I got to give him credit, and I'm going to describe it as such. Kyle Fuller makes an incredible catch for an interception on Peterman for the third of the day. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it was. It was a great catch. All right, NFC MVP. I mean, Todd Gurley is the easy choice. He seems like the obvious one. So I'm going to do my second. And my second is Khalil Mack. Ah. Because without Khalil Mack, that defense is terrifying. But when you put him in there, it's a different story. Okay. Yes, the Bears defense looked amazing against the Bills. But that's more about the Bills than the Bears defense. Mm -hmm. Khalil Mack has been a difference maker. And one of the reasons that the Bears are the leaders of the NFC North. That's right. I said it. This is a team that really has a lot of pieces to be the division winner this year. MVP for me is still Todd Gurley. He's just he's the best. I, I'm just I just yeah. wanted to deliver. No, it that's a a, that that is a good second. That's a good yeah. second. So like, pick your second because we know Gurley's the MVP. My second would. My second would be it's a toss-up between either Jared Goff or Adam Thielen. Thielen leads the league in receiving yards. And he's been he's been great. All I, would, I would put that more year. at offensive player of the year more than MVP because Well, that's why it's a toss-up. Because without Thielen. That's why it's a toss-up. Because without Thielen are the Vikings still going to at least be productive? Oh yeah, yeah, then, I think so. Then I wouldn't. But just, I, that's why it's like it's more of a toss-up. I, mean, I would lean towards Goff more. As so, you'd have Rams players as one and two. Yeah. I mean, it's not like probably put. I mean, you could like put Jared Khalil Goff, back in there, or it's not like Jared like, Goff isn't fantastic. Yeah. It just shows how dominant the Rams are. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You know who my dark horse MVP would be. Drew Brees. I might even go Alvin Kamara there. Yeah. Yeah, but have you seen Drew Brees' this season? There's your offensive player of the year. If I can't I vote, think so. if you can't double down on yeah. Gurley, I think so. It's probably Brees. Brees right now, twenty two thousand three hundred yards, just over that. Eighteen touchdowns, one interception. All right, here we go. You ready? One pick and a seventy seven percent completion percentage. All right. Let's let's spin it. Defensive rookie of the year. Ooh. Hmm. Bradley Chubb. Def- Defensive. I said NFC though. Oh, oh, we're doing we're sticking that. Oh, I thought you meant overall. Oh, actually, sorry. Yeah, we'll go overall. We'll, overall, we'll narrow, it we'll narrow it down. Bradley Chubb. Really? Have you seen his numbers? No. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up his numbers real quick. Because I read somewhere that he's having a historically good rookie year. All right, then. I don't remember where I saw it. I got, I'm going to, but I'm going to go to his, I'm going to go to, let's see. Right now he's playing nine games. He's got 22 Total tackles, 30 combined. Yeah. Eight sacks. All right, then. And, and remember, he's a rookie. Eight sacks. I'm going to go with a little bit off the beaten drum here. You ready? Hmm. 
I split it into two. Defensive rookie of the year, I'm going my boy Jair Alexander, cornerback oh, one. Yeah. Um, he's been amazing mm-hmm. over there in the Green Bay secondary. And it's it's strange to see a rookie be so good at it. But my AFC rookie of the year defensively is Darius Leonard, the linebacker. Ah, uh, that's a good Colts. pick. Yeah. He's 88 been... tackles on the season already. Yeah. Three forced fumbles, two recovered. The dude hits. Mm-hmm. And he has four sacks on the season as well. I respect that pick. It's, it's a fantastic pick there to, to have. Like, the Colts got a great player there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds has been just as good. Yeah. But Leonard's been on a fantastic level himself. And that yeah. needs to be recognized. I'm not going to be a homer here and go ahead and pick my team's linebacker while they sit at 2-7 and seven and the Colts are at 3-5. and five. It's not like record makes a difference here, but... You got to go ahead. Leonard has been great. Yeah. You got to respect game when you see it. And Darius Leonard has it. Plus, I I go with Bradley Chubb because with the having eight sacks already as a rookie in one of the more important positions on defense. Yeah. Him and Von Miller together is just uber scary. And I did read somewhere, too, that if if Chubb keeps his pace up, he's going to. His rookie year is going to be, like, historically good. By the way, for reference, Tremaine Edmonds, 62 tackles. Oof. And yeah. two forced fumbles. And that's also missing a game. That's missing a game with a concussion. Yeah. But that also means that the two have played the same amount of games. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Because the Colts had their bye week. The Bills have not. So there you go. Offensive rookie of the year. Oof. Time to be a jerk. Josh Allen. He hasn't thrown a pick six yet amongst the rookies. Booyah. <laughs> Take that. Wow. <laughs> Obviously in jest. Interesting. But really, it's harder to find an offensive rookie of the year this year. Yeah. Because they haven't really shined. And a lot of them have been, shockingly, a lot of the talk has been around those quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But if I were to really look into this, it's hard to choose an offensive rookie of the year. You go first. <laughs> okay. Jeez, <laughs> hmm. it, it's it is tough because none of the quarterbacks have really stood out. They haven't. But then you don't have you know, any like fantastic rookie backs. Yeah. The, the the rookie backs have more been solid in a way. Like Nick Chubb's just started just starting to get more of the carries in Cleveland. Sony I might Michelle, say Sony Michelle just because that's the best chance you've got right now. Yeah. The rookies have been for the most part a little disappointing on the offensive side. Defensively You've got a lot of places to go. Mm-hmm. But offensively, I haven't really seen much. Yeah, and there's really, there wasn't, really wasn't much for can receivers, I go with Frank, too. Can I go with Frank Ragnow, the guard in Detroit? Sure. Am I allowed to do that? Sure. Can that can, Is that acceptable? Fine, I'm going Quentin Nelson. Because he is awesome. That dude beasts people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, watching, if you're going to go watching, Frank Ragnow, I'm going to go Quentin Nelson. Watching Frank Ragnow is just like, 
it's amazing to see a rookie guard just destroy people like that. I, I, I don't know if I can in good conscience say these things. By the way, another defensive rookie candidate you could have went with is Derwin James. Yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah, I think uh, – oh, my God. The offensive rookie of the year is – oh, NFC is easy. Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that's pretty – Good luck finding one in the AFC, though. Mm-hmm. It might, it might be Sony Michelle. We'll just go with that just because. Yeah. But I'm going to say Josh Allen because he hasn't <laughs> thrown a pick six yet. Yeah. Take that. Okay. But the defensive rookies this year, they've been fun to watch on a mm-hmm. lot of teams. You could also go Saquon, but yeah, you also just feel bad for Saquon. Yeah. Also, I don't want to give the Giants credit for anything because they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Somehow the Bills are not allowed to be the worst team in the league because the Giants and the Raiders exist. True. It's wacky how that goes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're done. All right. You know what? Let's do this then, Frank. Your Bills midseason awards. Ugh. Defense, Ugh. It's going to be fun to talk about the defense. Yeah, I mean, defense at least. Like, so let's get the worst parts over with. Offensive player of the year for the Bills. Josh Allen. Sure. He's accounted for five of the eight touchdowns scored. Sure. Defensive player. No, wait, hang on. Offensive rookie of the year is the same. Yes. It's Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. Um, if I had to do a comeback player of the year, I would go Zay Jones. Yeah, sure. He's looked good. He's looked good. Yeah. Um, all right, then. Offense, I mean, team MVP, defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year. I think defensive rookie of the year is obvious. Yes. Tremaine Edmonds. Obvious. Defensive player of the year is Matt Milano. I could I, I like that. Matt Milano's been fantastic. He's been good. He's been all over the field. He's been good. I've loved Matt Milano's step mm-hmm. up in this season. And comeback? Well, don't call it a comeback because he's just been productive. He just hasn't been getting the sacks all along. It's Jerry Hughes. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan, I wish I had I wish Jerry Hughes played like that for me. Well, maybe you shouldn't have dropped him in coverage, idiot. Now, who is team MVP? For the tank job, it's Nathan Peterman. <laughs> oh, I hate this team. If it comes to Team Rail, Calvin Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> if, it goes, if, if it's Team Morale, can I go to the fans? We're having to put up with this. They're not doing well with it. They're really not. I can't really give I the know, fans much credit. But... We're not, as a fan base, we're not handling Can you pick ball. anyone on the team, though? Josh Allen. Okay. Because he's the reason I like to watch games. Sure. He is. That's it. I don't care about anything else right now. Hey, or I can, or I can go with the whole defense. All right, I'm done. Or I can go with the whole uh, defense. That's yeah, it. you can, yeah. But that's how miserable this season has been for the Bills. Like, it's not that they've just been bad. It's that they've been awful and an eyesore. But at the same time, and you've heard me say it, I don't want to talk about the Bills because they don't deserve to be talked about. But we as a fan base, we do have to do better and remember that this season's done. It's over. The only thing that we have left is to hope that Josh Allen gets to play in some games. 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. Don't, otherwise, don't watch them. Because all they're going to do is piss you off. That's it. That's all I got to say. The bye week is going to be so relaxing, so refreshing. I'm going to wish it never ends. Yeah. Like that Sunday without Bills football before the Patriots game was just relaxing. It was nice. The bye week? Like you said, we're going to wish that we never, that it never was gone. Like, why do we have to go back and do this? Can we just end the season here? <laughs> no? Six more? Okay. Mm. There's seven more games left, Bills fans. It's a long season. Ugh. It's a long season. Yeah. But you know what you can do to help out with that? We didn't get enough, We didn't get any love in for UB. They play tomorrow. They play at Kent State. Uh, Let's go. For Tuesday night action. You've got two more games left with them, right? I think it's two more on the season. Mm-hmm. And a legitimate chance to crack the top freaking 25. Let's go. Basketball starting for the men's and women's teams. Big four basketball, not just UB. UB's got uh, three games left. Kent okay. State and then two more, yeah. Okay, good. Good. If they run the table, they hit the top 25. They are going to. They're getting votes. They're getting their most votes in the coaches' poll. Which means coaches are recognizing that UB is hanging around. Yeah. The media's just got to catch up. That's all it is. And they're usually the last to take on with a non-Power 5 school. They're always the last to take on. And I don't blame them. They have an entire country to cover. They don't know that Buffalo has something good going for them. That's true. As a matter of fact, the first thing that a national writer could think about with Buffalo is, well, the Bills suck. That's it. Yeah. So, UB, basketball. Big four basketball is coming back. You know what that means? You got plenty to do other than watch the stupid Bills. And I plan on that, especially the Sabres, because they are fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Break our curry. And I hope we've been a reprieve for you on this uh, football Monday, this Monday morning quarterback that we haven't even touched on because we don't want to. Um, I'm wearing all Sabres gear right now. I got Sabres hoodie, got my Sabres hat. Same. If I don't have Sabres pants, um, I should. Same. I well, should I can't Sabres. wear Sabres pants right now. I should right get now. some Sabres socks. Yo. Get some stock, get some sock game going here. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to go buy some Sabres socks. And you should watch more of the Sabres instead of the Bills right now because uh, you deserve good things in life. And right now, one year later, the script is flipped. Go watch you some hockey. You're welcome. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.